everyone, my name is Kavya and welcome to Chai Your Auntie Should Be Spilling. I am part of Indu, an organization that helps combat domestic violence in South Asian communities across the U.S. We want to give a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode for domestic violence, as today we are going to talk to Ms. Anessa Tabosum, a domestic violence survivor herself, who has graciously agreed to share your story. Thank you for being here with me today, Anessa. We are really appreciate you sharing your story. Um, so before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So like she said, my name is Anessa. I am currently a nurse and I live in Austin, Texas. Um, my background has always been in healthcare. Um, apart from that, you know, going to school and everything, I love painting. I love hanging out with my friends, spending quality time with my niece and nephew. That's really cute. So yeah, I guess we can go right into it. So within the boundaries that you feel comfortable sharing, can you describe on how your story unfolded? Sure. So my story was actually just something that happened so quick. And it's actually something that happens to quite a few people. Um, that's something I've learned, you know, um, once I've spoken about it on my platforms and whatnot, having hundreds of thousands of women reach out to me and tell me their story as well. So really what happened was um, I just got involved with a guy when I was 20, 22, 21 um, I, we were young. I I felt so in love at the time, and um, I'm also Muslim. Um, so, and in Islam, we do believe that you know getting married quickly is um, the right way to go, as to avoid any sort of sin. So, with that mindset, you know, um, my ex-husband he he was very religious, and um, I wanted to be as religious as him. So every time that he would tell me hey, like, let's, let's get married. You know, at first I was hesitant, but then when he would bring in, you know, the words of God and what Islam really wanted, um, I had no way of arguing that fact. And so eventually he convinced me to get married um, within even just four months of meeting each other. You know, um, my whole family was really against it because they, they didn't know him that well. Um, but I was so I was so brainwashed into thinking like this is exactly what I needed to do, regardless if I was ready or not, because this was God's plan. Um, so I went ahead and I got married within six months of getting to know him. And I believe that, you know, he is a man of God. So at the end of the day, I'll be fine. You know, as long as we both have God in our hearts, like nothing can go wrong. So I gave my complete faith into, into, into this relationship. And then, you know, just within, um, there were definitely red flags um, before I even got married, but I just kind of ignored them and tried to keep strong with my faith. And just a few weeks after we got married is when the physical violence began. Um, and fortunately, I was able to leave right away. So it only happened a few times before I took a flight and I flew out to my family. And once I was with my family, they fully supported me. And they they kind of decided for me that I was never going to go back. So that's a little bit of the gist of my story. I know it's really quick, but that's kind of how everything unfolded. No, of course. Thank you so much for sharing it with everyone. And I know that deciding to take the steps to remove yourself from an abusive situation like this, I'd imagine that it's very much different than actually experiencing the process of walking away. So um, can you describe some of the hurdles um, you went through and how you overcame them? It can be super brief ones or um, situations that were specific, whatever you wanted to share. 
Sure. So a few of the hurdles that I felt mainly is um, I felt married for a long time after I had even been separated from my ex. Um, it's just it was so because it was so abrupt that I, I did not feel single for a long time. It took me up to a whole year to feel like uh, I, I was, you know, I, I felt like I was going through a divorce, but um, I, I felt married. So it was really hard for me to separate myself from him mentally. Um, and I was hurting because I felt like I was all to blame for the situation. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I gave up on the relationship. I felt like I was keeping, you know, him from his happiness. Um, so there was a lot of just torn, torn sort of mentality of um, what I should have been doing and what I was doing. And I felt so isolated and alone from the world, you know, especially in our society, no one talks about divorce and especially not at a young age. You know, I didn't know a single person that I could relate to at my age. And it was terrifying because I realized that I was so alone in the situation. My parents didn't know what to do. My sister didn't know what to do. My friends didn't know what to do. So it was a really isolating situation. And I didn't know the next step in, my, in what my life would be. You know, I had everything so planned out of what my life after being married was going to be like. And I felt like I had to start from square one. I didn't know who I was. And it was just it was just a lot of like stopping and assessing what was going on and trying to process it. Um, so that's a little bit of the hurdles that I faced um, immediately after after separating. Wow, those are I think one um, of the situations that you talked about was how a lot of people in the South Asian community specifically like divorce and um, domestic violence are very taboo topics in a way. And so it, throughout your journey, leaving this abusive situation, um, did you overcome hurdles that you find are particular to the South Asian community, such as maybe talking about these taboo topics with the older generation or just trying to find someone that you can relate to, which might be harder because of the values of the South Asian community? Yeah, definitely. Um, the biggest thing was that I was worried about what other people thought of me constantly. I was really active on social media and I, I just completely shut it down. Like I fell off the face of the earth because I could not take the pressure of what I thought that, you know, aunties and uncles were were thinking of me. It was it was just it was paralyzing. And um, I experienced a lot of bias, too, you know, because in this community, once you're divorced, it doesn't matter if you're married for three weeks, three months, three years. If you're labeled a divorcee, it's almost like for what I thought before was that no one wanted you anymore. You know, and I used to get a lot of, you know, mar it's kind of funny. I used to get a lot of marriage proposals, you know, before I actually got <laughs> married. And after it happened, I was, what, 23? And the only proposals I got were for middle-aged divorced men. Um, it was insane how, like, people just thought you were used and done. And no matter your qualifications, that's kind of what your label was. And that I use that hurt to transition it into power and finally decide that, hey, this is what this society is labeling me. I don't accept it. And I'm going to go ahead and create my own label and my own strength. But I definitely did experience all that bias and all that worry of what the South Asian community would think of me. No, of course, and that's amazing. And I'm pretty sure there'll be so many other um, people who will definitely look up to you in the future and will use your story as a way to guide them as well. And I know one thing you were talking about um, was how you kind of felt, um, you still felt like you were married. So how was that process for you initially dealing with the trauma? And how do you think the situation has had like a ripple effect um, 
to this moment in your life? So I there's so I really felt married because of course again in Islam um, you have to have an agreement with your spouse of how when the divorce happens. So there's there's a physical divorce on a paper, but then there's an Islamic divorce as well. Uh, just Islamic divorce happens like by word of mouth and. Um, your your husband has to um, say a phrase to you and then you're divorced. You see, my separation happened so quickly and I got a restraining order and everything so fast that I never got to actually have closure. Um, so I never got to, you know, hear that phrase from him. So in order to overcome that and like fight the feeling that I was still married, um, was I actually went to the imam, which is like a priest. He's the man that um, did my wedding ceremony. I went to him because I lived in the same city as him. And I told him about my story and I told him about my sorrows. And I, I cried to him. Um, and after hearing my story, he, he said to me, and something that I'll never ever forget is, he said, you know, Anessa, I have three daughters and you did exactly what I would have told them to do in this situation. He backed me up 100% and it was the most changing moment of my life because I thought like this man of God is telling me that I did the right decision. You know, all my guilt that I felt in the relationship of leaving him, you know, um, destroying my marriage or they were just all gone. And that really helped me, you know, in the healing process. And eventually I got therapy. I spent time with my family. Um, I decided to venture out on my own and get my own place and, with time, honestly, everything just slowly, slowly started to heal. And then it wasn't until I started to actually talk about, once I once I gained my strength, it wasn't until I was able to talk about my stories when I finally started to have a ripple effect on the community. Of course, that's, that's amazing. And in the same route as recovery, I have to ask for advice for people who's whose part of their identity now is being a victim of domestic abuse. How do you reconcile with that and move on with life, especially um, for survivors in the South Asian community? That's, that's a really good question. I think this is the most important question out of all of it is that how do you, how do you move on from this? And you know what I mean? So yeah. what I tell everybody, you know, anyone that asks me this question is, you need to stop worrying about what other people are thinking about you. I know it sounds like, crazy like that's something we can never move away from but it used to consume me when I was younger when I was growing up when I had an image that I had to keep up but you know when you're growing up it's like these these people that are gossiping about you they're not paying your bills you know they're not the ones that are making you happy it really comes down to the fact that you um you cannot worry about what other people are saying about you and it is so freeing because once I stopped you know once I started once I stopped people pleasing and wondering what people were thinking about me, I was finally able to focus on what my goals were and how I were to achieve them and live my life more fearlessly. You know, I always still try to do everything that I know my mom and dad will be proud of because um, they raised me, but I'm no longer concerned about, you know, who sees me where or sees me wearing what clothes or what shame am I going to bring to the brown community. Um, so it's really just choosing yourself every single day and moving forward um, and just being happy with the person that you are. Because trust me, eventually you'll come to a point like me where you really don't care at all. You know what anyone's saying, whether it's the South Asian community, um, if they're not contributing to your life, you need to just keep moving forward. 
Of course, and that's amazing advice. And I think this relates really well to our last question, which is, if someone is listening to this podcast who is a survivor, what would you want them to know? I would just want them to know that as soon as you leave the relationship, like it will it will be probably the hardest thing you've ever done. And I mean that sincerely. I mean that um, you'll want to go back every single day. I know I did. The only reason why I got out was because you know, I had my family supporting me and watching me so that I didn't go back. But there wasn't a day, you know, for like the immediate months preceding like my separation that I didn't want to go back and fix things up and try again and be put into harm's way. And and, and I think that's okay. I think it's okay to realize that, you know, you're you're not strong yet, but you're going to get there. And it's really going to take, it's really going to be easier with time. And what I've talked to a lot of women about this topic and a lot of women who haven't left their spouse yet, even though they're actively, you know, getting physically and emotionally abused. And it's a sad thing because when I ask them what's going on, like, what is your main reason that you're not leaving? And at the end of the day, it's not finances. It's not like tearing up a family. The biggest thing that I've heard women say of why they stay in these relationships is, is due to shame. Everybody is so worried about the shame that's going to come to their family or to their reputation once they leave. And it's very valid. And I never tell people to leave, you know, if they're in a scary situation. But in today's society, even modern society, shame is the biggest factor why, like, us women, we're not leaving in in this type of community, in this South Asian community. So that's my biggest advice, that it's not going to be easy, but choosing yourself will always be worth it in the end. That's amazing. And I know that people out there are definitely going to take your advice on this. Uh, thank you so much for your time and insight and vulnerability, Anessa. And we at Indu really appreciate you sharing your story and reminding us that these stories like yours need to be heard. And mm-hmm. I guess that's all we have for today. Thanks for joining Indu on today's episode of Chai Your Auntie Should Be Spilling. <laughs>